my thing would be, I don't necessarily want to be a dead cover band. I want to be heavily inspired by dead, but I want to do our music. There are more Grateful Dead cover bands than any other kind of cover band in the entire country. Um, a lot of sense. There's lots of different kinds. So like Dark Star Orchestra is known for recreating dead shows as close as they can possibly get to exactly how a certain show sounded on a certain night. They recreate it. And I've seen Dark Star Orchestra on back-to-back nights. And it's like two completely different bands. It's absolutely amazing to see on back-to-back nights like that, you really see what the dead did. But that's what Dark Star is known for. Then there's like J-Rad does their own spin on dead music. And they also play other songs that aren't from the Grateful Dead. Um, and then there's bands like Creamery Station who do some dead cover tunes, but they also do some of their own music. There's like just so much out there um, in this vein of music that is really unique and really different. And it just depends on what you're looking for. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of I Didn't Read Your Book. I am your host, Lutch. And today we will be having another conversation with an, an author whose book I have not read. Today, we, were going, we are going to be talking to Bethany J. Miller about her book, Sunshine Daydream. Um, judging the book by its cover, um, I've got a, uh, a, a very, um, what's the word? Uh, not, not playful, but um, artistic and... Uh, whatever this is, this, this feeling, whatever is making me do this, that's the kind of feeling I'm getting. Just two people kissing. Sunshine Daydream sounds very uh, upbeat and happy and, and all that. Um, so let's dive into the back of the book and see what we have to say. To have a future, Bailey must let go of the past. Bailey holds tight to those she loves. Her mom and niece, people she grew up with, Friends from her days following the Grateful Dead. Ooh, the Grateful Dead, that must have been fun. Never seen them. Always wanted to, but um, never seen them. She keeps new relationships superficial, unable to stand the idea of letting someone in, knowing someday she'll lose them. She doesn't want to, she doesn't worry about having feelings for Teague. I guess Teague is another character. Uh, the uptight lawyer is in Vermont for a single purpose to find a way. <clears throat> to find a way to get his brother out of jail. Then he's going home. But as the days turn to weeks, then months, it becomes obvious there's a reason he spends his days hanging out at Bailey's instead of going back to his life. With Teague a reliable presence in her life, Bailey finally begins to recover from long ago, from long ago loss. But when her absentee boyfriend shows up, she's forced to choose between the safety of what she's always known or opening her heart to the love she never saw coming. So the first thing I think of is the snap and the blip in the MCU. First thing I'm thinking of is, okay, this is going to be some type of push and pull between how, uh, you know, she, her, her old love and something must've happened and she moved on and she found this new love and whatever happened to the old boyfriend must not have been his fault. Um, or maybe it was a little, maybe uh, somewhat out of his control or something. Um, and then uh, she, he, he comes back into Bailey's life and now she's torn between the older guy and Teague. 
This is also kind of playing out. I'm currently watching a, a show on Netflix called Manifest, where basically um, there's a booked uh, plane and then they offer some of the passengers uh, a voucher to go on to the next flight. And so fa some families are split up and they're like, it's 400 bucks. I'll take it. I'll just, I'll meet you. I'll meet you wherever the hell we're going. First plane takes off and does normal. But the second plane, the people who took the $400, their plane disappears. And they have no idea. They're on the plane. They take the trip. They land. And what happens is they come back and it's five years later and they've been missing for five years. And so, um, you know, obviously, again, the the there is a uh, character uh, whom was her, her husband went on the other flight and then she lost him. She found somebody new and now he's back in her life. So. I don't know. Um, I, I'm going to assume that this isn't you know, pluck straight from that, that would be quite a, uh, uh, or, or from MCU, I mean, that would be quite an undertaking to be like, oh yeah, I can do that better. And uh, just in a book, um, just because of the, the, the visual uh, uh, magnitude of what it was, not, not saying that, uh, you know, anything about, you know what I mean? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that story is like, how it plays out, what kind of similarities now that there is another mainstream story with that same type of element. Um, what's different? What's the same? Is it something that maybe now that that's come out, does the fact that the, the MCU having this, this, this uh, five-year gap where, where uh, and, and, and uh, particularly in, um, you know, in, in romance, you know, there is that disconnect of, well, I moved on already. Um, does that step on the, the sentiments in her book? I don't know. Very interested to find out. Um, I, like I said, I don't think it would, I, I would imagine that it's just a coincidence and that it has nothing to do with that. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see how that is going to be play. Uh, how's that, how that's going to play out. So Without further ado, let's bring in Bethany. All right, and welcome Bethany Miller, the author of Sunshine Dream. How are you doing today? Good. Happy so the, thank you. So the first thing I noticed in um, reading the uh, back of the book was the Grateful Dead. I'm not a huge uh, Grateful Dead fan particularly, but I am definitely a big fan of Grateful Dead culture. Um, is that something, uh, is that something with you that is uh, a big part of your life? It is. It's a very big part of my life. Um, has been since I was a teenager. Oh. Um, yeah, actually it's kind of interesting. Um, I got into the dead when I was a teenager and then, um, had a family, got married, all that, you know, adult stuff and stepped out of the scene Plus Jerry died and that, you know, was pretty devastating. And so um, I stepped away from the scene and adulted for a long time. <laughs> Didn't even actually realize that there was a huge dead scene still. And then after I wrote Sunshine Daydream, um, I wrote it really because I, I missed all of that. I missed that life. And I wanted to try to capture what it was like to be a deadhead in, in the early 90s. Um, and that was really the inspiration for the book. I never intended to do anything with it. I wrote it for me. It was like my love child book. Um, and then I was part of a, I'm part of a writer's group in New Haven, Connecticut. And 
one night I go into our writers meeting. This was a number of years ago, obviously pre-COVID when we still met in person. And um, one of the guys there had a dead hat on. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> hey. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, he and I started talking and and um, I told him, you know, I haven't been to a show since Jerry died. And, and it turned into this very long conversation. And then my husband's calling me because it's like 1030 at night and I never can <laughs> even and he's like where are you and I'm like yeah sorry I got talking <laughs> and <laughs> because of that whole conversation I decided you know what maybe I'll do something with this book so um we started reading that book in my writer's group and then the guy that I knew from there kind of encouraged me to hey you know go back into the scene see what it's about now and the next thing you know my husband and I are like every weekend going to, to see Grateful Dead cover bands. Connecticut is amazing. We have the biggest jam band scene. You would never realize it, you know, because people don't think of Connecticut that way, but there is a Grateful Dead cover band playing somewhere in the state every weekend. It's wow. absolutely amazing. And um, the coolest thing is just like in the book, once you're in that scene, you start to see the same people all the time. You start to know each other. And the next thing you know, you know, you have this whole group of friends and we go out Friday nights or Saturday nights and we all see each other. And it's, it's really awesome. That's great. That uh, definitely, I mean, like I said, I, I wasn't into uh, Grateful Dead specifically, but definitely growing up, going to shows, being part of a, a music scene, uh, meeting up with the same people, especially not going to the same school, but, you know, at, we'd meet at the shows and and then, you know, there'd be drama within the scene, all that stuff. I could definitely uh, relate to all of that. That's really cool. Um, and uh, so you've been, uh, I think that's a really cool part of, um, you know, the, the jam band scene. In, uh, and, and maybe we can get into like the different differences between like a Grateful Dead and a fish, maybe eventually. <laughs> um, but it feels like the, the, the greatest part of, you know, there's definitely, uh, the, obviously, there's a difference between a good jam band and a bad jam band. I'm sure anybody can, can just brush off the whole genre. But, um, you know, you, just because you're a fan of, you know, just because you're you're following around Deadheads and you're, you're that's your your crew, it doesn't have to be playing Grateful Dead songs. There's a there's a sound and there's a feel for that 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 will work. And um, for me, it was you know when I was younger, I was into uh, like the the hardcore metal punk scene, um, and you know going to grungy basement shows. And then eventually when I was in college, I got really into electronic music and going into grungy basements and, uh, and then eventually like big giant fields and stuff. And uh, really cool. I went to one uh, festival that was actually the first festival, first festival they held in Bethel Woods since uh, the 69 Woodstock. So that was mm -hmm. the uh, Mysteryland uh, 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 event that I got to go to. Uh, was, and I, you know, some of the, uh, some of the best times of my life and, and, I've always been obsessed with music and just one, uh, I don't know, one of these days it, it, it came across my mind that, you know, the more you go to live music, the more, you know, you're hearing that music on your way to work or wherever, or just in some mundane thing. And it transports you so so much more easily and more songs can do it. And, uh, and it becomes the soundtrack for the best memories in your life. And, and you can just jump from here to there 
just by using sounds. And I, I just, I love it. It's so cool. I love it too. And actually talking about different kinds of music, um, a lot of deadheads really get into music in general. I actually came from, before I was into the Grateful Dead, I was into heavy metal because it was the 80s and all those bands were in Metallica and Megadeth. And, you know, I used to watch Headbangers Ball on MTV when MTV still played music. I... I know a lot of people that came from that scene into the Grateful Dead, which is kind of crazy because the music is very, very different. Um, But uh, Deadheads in general, I think, really appreciate good music no matter what it is. One of the the people that's out there right now that's astounding is Billy Strings. He's like bluegrass. He's young. He's like 28. Um, And we, we got to see him over the summer and just unbelievable musician just so so good and it's kind of dead related because they get do some bluegrass but um much more bluegrass than what you know we would get at a, a dead show but just so so good and it's like so cool to see so many people just enjoying really good music that's awesome so what about for those who are not really familiar or for those who think they're familiar um, and it's just music you take drugs to, and they're just like, like, what do you, what do you, I mean, obviously there's, you know, you're not going to convince everybody and nor should you try, but if somebody is really trying to get into it and they don't, they don't get it, what, what, what is your, like your, your pitch to it? To get into the Grateful Dead. Um, just the jam band scene in the general. Jam band. One of the biggest things is that you have to have a different set of expectations um, than if you were going to see, like, um, we just saw AJR last weekend. That's so very, very different. Um, and one of the things that's very different is that that concert itself was about showmanship. And mm-hmm. every single, if you saw them night after night after night, every single show would be exactly the same. The music would sound exactly the same the dancing would be exactly the same. When you get into the jam band scene, it's not like that. You're not going to hear the same thing live that you would hear on a studio album because they put their own spin on different songs every single night. Um, If you listen to The Grateful Dead, I mean, they had a very long career. They're still playing now. So really it's been more than 50 years if you you count Dead and Company. but even the Grateful Dead, I mean, over their 30-year career, they had times when they played very slow. They had times when they played fast. They changed with the times. They started out as more a bluegrass band, and then they progressed into psychedelic. They progressed from there into, in the 80s, it was um, it was actually pretty close to what was popular in that time. So if anybody wants to try the Dead, I would say... Give it some time, listen to a whole bunch of different eras and don't, don't just listen to one song and say, I don't like this because every song they do is different. Every era, the songs were different. So there might be some that you like that other people don't. I actually prefer the older dead when they were a little bit slower and they were a little bit more bluegrass, but I know people that don't want that at all. They just want like the 80s where it was really, really fast and more rock and roll. So it's, you know, there's just 
if you listen to enough of it, there's something for everyone. They even get into some country, actually, not true country, but it gets close. And so it's, uh, it, you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I've never seen the dead, but I have seen dead cover bands. And it's not, uh, unlike other types of music, specifically, you know, specifically metal and, and rock and, and stuff like that, where it is very much about the song. And then also uh, pop music, which is very much about, you know, the, the uniformity of what this song is. Um, it's, a, it's a completely different structure and a completely different way to approach music. And yes, that is conducive to, you know, psychedelics and all that kind of stuff, but that's not the point of it. And, um, you know, I personally, uh, definitely, you know, especially as a metalhead and, 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 uh, you know, I was into like metalcore and the hardcore, all, all that kind of stuff, like in the sub, sub, sub genres of metal and all that kind of stuff. So to, um, you know, when, when, uh, electronic music first started getting big, like the, when, um, like the Skrillex dubstep and stuff was coming out. I was like, okay, I, I, I can dig this. But like, you know, the other stuff, it's like, it's like boring. And, and, you know, I just, eh. and then, you know, eventually somebody gave me ecstasy and I was like, oh, I get it. And then, you know, go through the whole uh, uh, cycle. And then I ended up actually much, much preferring to be at these, uh, whether it's a, a, a small basement rave or a huge uh, massive festival, I actually much preferred to be there sober and I mean, you know, obviously I want to smoke a little weed, um, but uh, you know, not, not tripping out on anything and just being there and being present, it really was enough of an experience. And I can definitely see how, if you don't know what to look for in those experiences, that it is, it is a great uh, uh, environment to be whacked out on whatever, but there's so much more to it. And I think that even I, I don't know about your uh, drug use uh, uh, specifically, but I am a huge uh, advocate of, of uh, psychedelics, LSD, psilocybin. Uh, and, um, you know, I think the world would be a better place if everybody would do a little bit of shrooms, a little bit of acid. Um, and I think that, you know, especially particularly in the electronic music scene and with ecstasy, there's such that, that, that pair that it's like, well, because they both make you happy, not because they cause each other, you, you're missing the point. And, and so I think there's a lot of similarities when it comes to the jam band scene that people just are, it's so easy for them to brush it off. And it's a shame, it's a shame. Yeah, it is. So it is. beyond, I mean, I can't wait to, uh, to share this, uh, this episode with my neighbor, her, uh, <laughs> well, her, it's, it's a, a couple, and the husband's a, a deadhead. He'll, he'll, he was just gone a couple weeks, a couple weekends ago to uh, follow, I don't know if it was them or a, a cover band, but I guess it doesn't really matter too much. Um, and um, so, yeah, are, that is something that I'm an outsider when it, when, you know, the people we're just talking about, I'm one of them. And I, I mentioned it before, but Fish and the Grateful Dead. Is there a meaningful difference? And what is that meaningful difference? <laughs> I um I don't I don't listen to fish. I've tried a few times and and I can't get into it. <laughs> so I've never seen fish. And um I I can't really answer that. I actually just read a book. Actually, it's right here. I'm gonna plug someone else's book. This is about fish tour. Um, Elizabeth, Be Elizabeth, 
It's B. Elizabeth Beck wrote this. And, and the, the title again was? It's called Summer Tour. And she sent it to me. I sent her my book. She sent me hers because mine's about the Grateful Dead and hers is about fish. So the only thing about <laughs> what I read in that book, what I read is seems to be, um, it has some similarities to the dead and it has some differences. Both bands, people see them night after night after night, which is really confusing to people who aren't used to the scene because they're like, why would you want to see the same concert over and over? But it's not the same concert mm-hmm. every single night, which the dead started doing way, way back when they first started playing. When they realized that the same people were coming to their shows over and over, they started changing up the set list so that they could give everybody a new show every single night. Um, and Fish do the same thing. It's it's a different show every night. Um, and they're jam bands, so there's some improv going on. Um, and people follow them just like they follow the dead. Um, there is drug scene. I think now in the dead scene, most people probably are either just smoking pot or doing mushrooms. There's not a whole lot else going on that that I see. Um, I think uh, in fish scene, it's a little bit different, but I can't really speak to it because I've never been there. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I, I mean, I guess, you know, I, those two pop into my hand because they're uh, into my head because they're both uh, uh, in that jam band kind of thing. But there's also, yeah. you know, you've got uh, Insane Clown Posse where they have their their whole thing. You've got Dave Matthews Band, with, which mm-hmm. is definitely different. But I mean, at least somewhere in between, I, I would guess. Um, and then, you know, just just in general, um, there are uh, bands like uh, August Burns Red in my own personal life. Again, a typical, you know, like marquee metalcore if you want to know what metalcore is go look up august burns red um and there was a period of like six years where if they came to to jersey i didn't miss it and that would mean you know going to starling ballroom uh this week and then in two weeks going to see them at uh at warp tour um and it was largely the same show but i there you know I, i think there's enough different about any live performance that if you're not really expecting a completely different, uh, uh, you know, a completely different show that there's enough different about the live performance and how unique that in and of itself, just people coming together to see that, you know, uh, when everything is so, uh, you know, everything's on YouTube, everything's on TV, it's, 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 uh, per- everything's perfect, you know, just the live performance of, of hearing and seeing those people, it's uh, uh, it's enough. But yeah, I definitely uh, thinking about it. There's a there's a a much bigger culture to following around uh, a a crowd of people that centers around music. And um, but it it doesn't seem it so it seems like it's it's a pocketful of of bands here and there. And maybe I'm just not seeing that there is a whole. Uh, seen an industry of cover bands and and uh, like under them, or is there just not that many bands that do it? Because like my thing would be, I don't necessarily want to be a dead cover band. I want to be heavily inspired by dead, but I want to do our music. Mm-hmm. And ha- since it's again that jam band, it's not really a set song. How how do you really make that distinction? Um, there are well, there's there's tons of 
Grateful Dead cover bands. There are more Grateful Dead cover bands than any other kind of cover band in the entire country. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And they, it's, there's lots of different kinds. So like Dark Star Orchestra is known for recreating dead shows as close as they can possibly get to exactly how a certain show sounded on a certain night. They recreate it. And I've seen Dark Star Orchestra on back-to-back nights. And it's like two completely different bands because the first night they did something from the early 70s and the second night they did something from the 90s. And it's absolutely amazing to see on back-to-back nights like that, you really see the difference between, you know, what the dead did. But that's what Dark Star is known for. Then there's like J-Rad. J-Rad does their own spin on dead music. And they also play other songs that aren't from the Grateful Dead. Um, And then there's bands like Creamery Station who do some dead cover tunes, but they also do some of their own music, which is kind of along the same vein as Grateful Dead. You know, it's got some bluegrass in there. It's got some funky jam stuff going on. So there's like just so much out there um, in this vein of music that is really unique and really different. And it just depends on what you're looking for. One of the other things I think is amazing as kind of a middle-aged deadhead is it doesn't even matter what shows we go to. There are people from all age groups. We see toddlers with their 20-something parents and we see 40-somethings with their 60-something parents and everything. It's just absolutely amazing to me how timeless this music is that people are still discovering it today, which was really why, you know, when I decided to publish this book, I decided, you know, I wanted to make this whole scene that you and I are talking about accessible to people who don't have any experience with it at all. So I chose to write it in romance format because that's a very accessible way for people to read about things that they're not familiar with. So it's not like there's tons of memoirs out there about Grateful Dead, you know, following the Grateful Dead or people that were roadies or whatever. Um, This is not that. This is a fictional novel. And it's a story that just centers around someone who follows the Grateful Dead. And it's, um, excuse me, it's uh, uh, Bailey is the the protagonist and um, she's uh, fallen in love with T and then uh, and she has a lover from the past come. That's basically the, uh, the, 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 um, the tent poles that I got. And the first thing I was thinking, well, two things actually, because I, I happen to uh, be watching a show on Netflix called Manifest where, uh, you know, there, there's a full flight uh, a bunch of families. And so they offer a bunch of people like a $400 voucher to go on the next plane. And then that plane gets lost in for five years and then lands and the people on the plane have no idea, whatever. And so, you know, some of the people who were on the first plane and it came home and it was five years later, they moved on and then same kind of thing, which obviously is the exact same uh, premise. Spoiler alert for anybody uh, who doesn't know, but uh, it's the exact same premise for the MCU and and Thanos and all that. And you know, he snaps uh, half of uh, 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 you know um, half of civilization out of existence, and then five years later, uh, the Avengers bring them back. And um, so, I guess the first question is: When, in relation to these things, did you write your story? Um, I wrote the first draft of this about 10 years ago. So you so got claims. <laughs> it had nothing to do with 
with anything. And I also have not watched Manifest, although I scroll past it on a regular basis and think maybe I should watch that. It's good. It's good. It's keeping me hooked. And I'm pretty, I'm a pretty big TV snob. So mm-hmm. to keep me hooked, you gotta be, you gotta be good. But I am more interested in the mystery of the plane rather than the characters. But um, yeah, so maybe, maybe you uh, saw something on the desk of the Marvel Studios and where they were going in 10 years, but we'll give you the benefit of the doubt uh, <laughs> that uh, you probably came up with this on your own. Um, and so seeing how um, at least, I, I mean, I assume if you haven't at least seen that you're familiar with the, the, uh, the Marvel um, Infinity Stone snap thing, right? My husband watches that. Yeah, so I mean that's that's basically it. You know, the, this one guy he wants to 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 snap away half of everybody in the universe so that everybody has resources, and he does it. And then in the next movie, the Avengers come back and uh, they fix it, but it takes five years. So a lot of you know, there's really only been one uh, major movie in the um, in the franchise since then, and um, there's been a bunch of these TV shows and the. the movie that came out happened to take place before all of it so a lot of this the the stuff of the aftermath of um the the blip as they call it when everybody was blipped back into existence um was either explored in the spider-man movies or in these tv shows and it is about you know this concept of you know loving you know having someone that you loved in the past and having to move on from that and finding somebody new and then that person comes back um and and so if you're uh, again, is there is there anything that you 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 know you know that they did that you're like ah I wanted to do that or I did do that or I, I, how dare they or they stole it from me or good I'm glad they didn't do this. So sorry to interrupt your podcast experience. I just want to remind you if you are enjoying what you're watching, please hit the like button and subscribe for more content. And if you really love it, there's some support links in the description. I would love if you could help out the channel. And back to the show. No, it's because it's not quite the same. The this whole entire story was is it's fictional, but it's inspired by reality. So back in in the nineties, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have a way to keep in touch with each other. So you would go if you were following the dead, you would have this group of people that you were with all the time, and maybe some of them were from your hometown, and maybe you know some of them weren't. Um, and then people would kind of go on tour and then leave tour and go back home. And um, you would lose touch with people because we didn't have we didn't have the kinds of technology that we do now. So you might have someone you know that was really important to you, but then you don't see them for six months. And then all of a sudden they show up again. And that was just something that really happened to all of us. So oh. that's sort of where the idea behind this came from was the reality of this was what we lived. So, you know, what do you do when something, you know, changes? So, and then there's actually more to that because Bailey's backstory um, plays into her feelings for Jesse, who is her deadhead boyfriend in the beginning. Um, And it, it also, colors how she reacts to Teague because of what she's been through in her life before the story even starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give away any of that because that would be a serious spoiler. Um, but it's, it's, that's where in romance, each character, the two, you have two main characters. You have the, in this book, you have a male and a female lead. 
and they each have their own separate issues. So Bailey's issue really revolves around um, the things that happened in her life that shaped her into who she is. Um, and that played into everything for her character from why she decided to go follow the dead to why she came home and you know how she reacts to the, the two main guys in her life. Interesting. So that's that's something that, you know, because I mean, I'm I'm 31. So I grew up as a kid with before, uh, uh, you know, social media and all that. But by the time I was, you know, middle school, high school, it was, you know, we were at least using uh, AOL and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so it wasn't quite, you know, the way it is now. There was definitely uh, a, a distinct memory of time uh, before this. But um, definitely I was, uh, you know, part of that last, uh, generation or first generation, depending on when, uh, the way you look at it of as, as a, as a kid, um, certainly as, as these concepts of love and, 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 and passion and anything like that are becoming anything relevant and, uh, building these kind of connections, those are all available through, through, uh, you know, like I'm thinking, you know, my first girlfriend, I was maybe, I, I guess what? A freshman in high school and we were able to uh you know we were able to text and then after 9 p.m or on weekends we could talk as long as we wanted um but yeah that was that was the 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 limitation and you know it was when neither of us drove or anything even living in the same town and so when you add the aspect of um that you know you're you're you are you're traveling around the country and then there is a a, a more uh, I guess just in the times, it, uh, the culture of the entire nation is a little bit more uh, free-spirited and then specifically in that group, even more so. Um, so uh, thinking about how common that actually must be, or must have been rather, it, 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 it's, it, it's a very interesting to, thing to think about. I didn't even really, uh, you know, so, so what is, I mean, you know, cause again, when, when I hear that, I'm thinking world genocide, end of the world, oh no, what do we do? And then you're like, nah, it's actually just kind of a thing that we did. And I, I don't know, that, that, that kind of blows my mind. How hard is it to be in the, I, I guess it must be, and, and again, this is where my brain is gone, so tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, the, the, uh, the whole idea of, I guess like the, the, the free love thing, and that, you know, it's, it's not about attaching yourself to a person or a song or a, any particular thing. It's about more being present and, and loving yourself and, 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 and having that to give and creating that in your own uh, personal space and personal life. Am I, am I on the right track? Um, maybe. <laughs> Please maybe, tell me how I'm wrong because I don't know what the hell back, I'm talking about. I'm just rambling here. I need your help. Back in the day. <laughs> There was there was a fair amount of free love that went on. Um, people had open relationships. I mean, people still do have open relationships, but it was it was somewhat common on Dead Tour to have open relationships. And when I say and, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. When I say free love, I don't necessarily mean specifically like going and fucking whoever you want. I, I, I mean like you know the the general concept that we're we're not necessarily uh, meant for one on on one uh, uh, companionship for our entire lives. I, I think. That seems to be something that definitely throughout the, uh, uh, you know, before the, the internet age, um, uh, it's, you know, it's come back in the internet age, but before that, um, 
and uh, uh, just in general, not necessarily specifically sex, although that that is obviously part of it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I've oh, been, uh, just forget what I've been, I said then. Well, go, go on yeah. with whatever you're saying. I've been married for 25 years, so I'm not the person to talk to about that. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> um, one thing, though, when we're talking about tech that is kind of really cool is um, when this book takes place, there's no such thing as GPS. So we used to travel all over the country and we did it by using maps. And we would, you know, get into a city where we had never been before and we had to find the venue where the dead were playing and we used maps for all of it. And it's kind of funny because, um, you know, there are young deadheads now. So I had mm -hmm. a message me on Facebook and say, this was so awesome. And just everything in this was so realistic, except for the maps. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get me. anywhere without GPS? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yep. I remember. I, uh, good. I really appreciated that because that was one of the things that I wanted to do was was really capture that you know those things that aren't around anymore. You know that you did have to find where you were going using maps, or like if they needed to find a hotel room, they couldn't just go on hotels.com and book a room. They had to actually find a room. So it was really different. Um, and it's. It was only 1990s, so that's only like 30 years ago. But it really yeah. was very different. And for for us, for for you know, going to like uh, these electronic festivals or like work tour, there just be no service. So it was a brand new experience of like, okay, now that we ha we don't have these tools that we're used to, what do we do? And so early on, I learned like, uh, you know, people will be like, okay, meet by this big. Thing that could you know being by it could be anywhere in a three mile radius like no 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 you got to pick somewhere very specific let's meet by the e on this uh uh uh, uh this small sign that's yep. like you know and um uh, you know go through trial and error and i i remember i think i think it was the first warp tour i went to it wasn't the first uh show i went to but uh warp tour being the first festival the first time i was there i um it was either like eighth or ninth grade, and I had gone with um, with a uh, a group of friends, and his mom actually stayed at the uh, the festival with us, and I think she was like in the parents' tent or whatever, but she was there the whole time. So where she parked was you know where everybody who parked and went in, uh, as opposed to kids, most of the kids my age who were dropped off on the other side of the stadium. And so, of course, it being my first festival, I'm staying until the very end. And we, we all wanted to. So it was cool. And we we're like, all right, we'll meet back on this side. And we ended up uh, even somehow, even though it all commences and there's only one band playing at the end, somehow I lost them. And no cell phone service and everybody's being ushered out of the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the venue. And it was like a, a, a racetrack uh, type venue. Um, and so it's this giant place that it just looks like a parking lot and you can't see either end and I didn't know what to, and so I'm being ushered out and I end up on the completely wrong side. And by the time I can use my phone, I'm like, I, I, I can't get to anybody or anything. And so I basically, luckily there was somebody from my high school that, that saw me walking from their mom's car and stopped and they're like, oh, are you okay? And I got to ride home with them. And it was, it, it was just like, it was so harrowing. And then to think like, that's just what it was like. You had to, you had to have a game plan. You can't go in 
that a game plan. I mean, I'm, I'm notorious for going places and forgetting where I park just because I'm so excited to go in. And then I'm like, wait, where, where did we park? And I, they don't have a technology for that yet. So I got to, <laughs> I got to figure that one out. Okay. Mom tip. Okay. Oh. So I, I learned this when I took our kids to Disney world, when you get out of the car, take a picture of something that's right there. So like when we went to Disney world, they have the posts with the, they have row numbers and whatever they're mm. and like Daisy duck 32, take a picture of that. So from yeah, now, see that's, that's the thing I would forget to do though. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you're going to remember it from now on because when next time you go to a show, you're going to remember me and you're going to get out of your car and you're going to be like, wait, I got to take a picture and then take a picture of something that will get you back there. And then you never have to worry about it again. Awesome. Well, thanks to you, Bethany. Now I never have to lose my car again. Awesome. So then if it's, you know, if, if it's not this, the, uh, you know, in, in the book, if it's not this huge, like, oh my God, I didn't, I never thought I'd see you again. And now I hear you are again. And what do we do? If that's, that's, you know, the tone that I was expecting having, having read it. And it sounds very much like that is not the case at all. Um, so obviously without giving away the, the, uh, the meat and potatoes, what, what can we expect from that kind of, um, is it a reunion? Is it a happy reunion? Is it, uh, uh, contentious? What, what's going on there? It's, um, so Bailey was, I think this is on the back of the book. She, she spent two years on dead tour doing nothing else except following the dead. And in between, she didn't go home. She did other things. Um, and then after two years, something happened that she she needed to go home. And she now lives at the beginning of the book. She lives in Vermont. She owns a coffee shop. Um, so she's there and she's been there for a long time. So her boyfriend in the beginning, Jesse, he knows where to find her. So he goes off and he does his thing. And sometimes he comes home and she can't contact him because it was 1990 and there were no cell phones so she just has to wait for him to call or for him to come home or whatever and it's something that they've been doing for a very long time so it's a very comfortable relationship for mm. both of them in the beginning of the book there's not anything that's making either one of them say I want something different than this. It's just how their relationship is. And it's the way it's the way that they're both comfortable. So the first time you meet Jesse, that's kind of where you are is that Bailey's still pretty comfortable it with this relationship with Jesse because she knows Teague, but they haven't really, um, they're more acquaintances at that point than friends even. So mm -hmm. it takes a while for them to, because they're from, Teague is a very, very different person from a very different background than Bailey. Teague is, is a, um, high, a well-paid divorce lawyer. He came from money in the first place. He has a very different lifestyle than Bailey, very different attitudes about everything. Um, so when he meets her, neither one of them see each other as anything other than this is the girl that sells me my coffee and this is the guy that comes in every day and buys coffee so that's how their relationship starts and it takes a long time for them to get past that um and again i don't want to spoil what's in the book but uh they do eventually get past that it is romance so i can tell you because this is like a rule of romance when you start any romance novel 
It is an absolute guarantee that by the end of the book, the two main characters are going to probably be together, but if not definitely together, then they are most likely just going, you have to have a happy ever after. So it's it's pretty much a that they're gonna get together. So that's- Really? Not, yep, actually, that's the reason that people read romance because you already know that no matter what happens throughout the entire course of this book, when you get to the end, it's going to be good. Everybody's mm. in a good place and people need that. You know, they, they need to know that everything sometimes does work out okay. So that's one of the reasons why that's, people- Yeah, that's definitely understandable, but I had no idea that that was a well-known thing. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm sorry, viewers, I'm gonna, you know, uh, it's a new person, so I'm gonna go through this every time. But, um, you know, when I was a kid, I used to love uh, reading and it, you know, it was, it was you know, one of my favorite uh, pastime activities, fiction, nonfiction, um, you know, comic strip books. I have a, a Calvin and Hobbes tattoo on my chest. Um, I never realized how how really out there and and you know high high brow that stuff was. I was reading it in fourth grade. But um, anyway, uh, and then you know you go to school and they assign you this boring book and then that boring book and then that boring book. And um, you know I was never a good student. I loved reading, but I was never really a good student. So when you tell me, oh, you got to read this many pages, it becomes homework. And now I don't want to do it. And that went all the way through college. And then by the time I got out, there was YouTube and, and, and podcasts. And so it, and, and, and audiobooks. And so it just, I never uh, rekindled that, um, you know, that, that love for uh, reading that I got again, which of course is, is, is what uh, brought us here. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting because the, there's definitely, you know, a sentiment uh, and, and uh, sorry. So yeah, the, the, um, I'm very, it's ironic because I'm very into, um, as I said before, I'm, I'm a super TV cinema snob and I love watching TV and, and movies, but you know, I'll nitpick anything. And if it's not like Breaking Bad or if it's not like, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, then it's, then it's crap or um, not quite. But um, the idea that, you know, people will, there, there's, a there's a definite different mood I've got to be in to watch something new than to watch something to then to rewatch something, whether the, regardless of what the mood is um, that rewatch, you know, because you know, what's going to happen. There's, you know, you can, it, there's a comfort to it. Um, and I, I had no idea that the, the, there was, you know, that, that romance books just, I mean, I, I, I guess I assumed obviously that's the point of it, but I didn't know that. I mean, I, I, I guess I would have assumed that there was, more of a, uh, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, and 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 that's really what is the 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 hook of the story is: are they actually going together, or get together? Are they actually going to stay together, or, or uh, you know, and, and whatever it is? Um, and are you uh, familiar with the uh, the show How I Met Your Mother? My kids watch it. <laughs> it's uh, I'm a that's one of my that's my top sitcom of, of all time. And um, it's specifically because, again, I spoiled this on another, on another episode and the show ended like eight years ago, so get over it. Um, you know, there was a huge uproar over the ending of the show. And, uh, you know, long story short, it's, it's the main character telling his kids over the, the, the course of the series, 
how he met his mother, how he met their mother. And then and the, and the, uh, the last uh, uh, part, it goes to the end of the story. And then they follow the the, um, you know, the, the, that that marriage. And then she ends up dying very shortly after we meet her in a nine series show. We spent eight season leading up to the, okay, let's meet the mother. Who's the mother. We want to meet the mother all about this. Nothing in this uh, would have mattered if it, because it all brought me to your mother. And then two episodes later, she dies. And uh, he goes back to the, the main uh, love interest of the, 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 the actual sitcom. And that, you know, that part about going back to her is, is whatever, but the part, the part about the mom dying and, people wanting this happily ever after ending. And to me, it's like, you're missing the whole point of the show that it never was about the, the, the mother. It was about the journey. And um, I don't think the show would have had that kind of impact if, if we had this, uh, this understanding and this, this quote unquote guarantee that, oh yeah, we, this is formulaic, but, and we know where it's going. Uh, and, and again, uh, with, with shows like, um, I'm thinking The Walking Dead, where they, that was one of the, probably not the first, uh, definitely, you know, there was like the, the Wire and the Sopranos and stuff, but, but um, the, the, the first uh, uh, network show that was, you know, killing off main characters, stuff that you did not expect to see on TV when you're sitting down to, you know, after a long day of work. Um, but that's what made these things so powerful and so different and so hearing that when when no matter what book i buy in 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 the romance section that i know how essentially how it's going to end how do you then what or or what then do you put into it to to stand out from every other love story um it's not specifically obviously it's basically what you said about how i met your mother it's everything that's in the middle you know i mean and there's in romance, you can write any kind of book you want. You can write a rom, you know, a comedy, which would be a rom-com. You can write a mystery. You can write a thriller. I mean, you can literally write any kind of book you want. So if you're into police detective shows, you can find romances that are actually detective stories. Um, the just the there's a few rules that you have to follow that make it romance and the first rule is that once the two main characters get together they can't be with anyone else if you do that it becomes erotica and that's just a different genre oh okay um you and you have to have the main story has to be about the relationship because to be completely honest the vast majority of people who read romance are women and women like reading about relationships. So the basic story is usually about the relationship, um, about, you know, what struggles they have that um, bring them together as a couple, what happens that makes them, you know, stay apart from each other, how they get past those things. Um, So the story arc is really their relationship, but in order for it to be romance, it does have to have a happy ever after. And if you don't do that, then readers are going to roast you because they want that. And it is like you were talking about before where you rewatch shows because you want that comfort. We can get that comfort in romance without actually watching the same show again. Not that I don't do that because I've Mm -hmm. watched original three Star Wars movies so many times that no one will play Star Wars Trivia Pursuit with me because I will. (laughs) But every single time. I've never seen any of them. 
<laughs> I mean, I, the thing is, I've been like, I realized I missed the I missed the boat on just sitting down and watching them. I need to sit down and watch them with somebody like you who can uh, because I, I want to care. But the 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 culture is I'm so far removed from, you know, when it was out in the theaters in 1970 or whatever that. Uh, standing on its own, I, uh, from what I understand, it is a really good story, especially the original trilogy. But the impact of what Star Wars was to, you know, just like Americana and the world uh, 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 in large, you you can't just get that just watching it like on a laptop right now. So right. I just I haven't done that. Um, and it, it's funny that um, you know because I, I was doing the same thing both with uh, the Marvel movie, the Marvel movies and. With Game of Thrones, I didn't watch uh, either of them until right before the end. With with Marvel, it was uh, right before Endgame. I binged all the movies, and Game of Thrones, it was after it was between season uh, seven and the last season, season eight, where I watched everything, and then I watched the uh, uh, the last season live because I had gotten you know it, it was it, both the both things uh, Marvel and uh, Game of Thrones were building and and having this cultural presence. In, in other things that I would watch. And like, you know, there's, there's I, I think a whole uh, uh, three series, uh, or excuse me, three episode uh, Star Wars thing in Family Guy. And I just, I love Family Guy, but I don't, I just don't get it because I've never, and I mean, I know enough about Star Wars because it is so prominent in, in culture to, to, to get it. But I, but you know, I missed the, I, I only found out what uh, Han shot first meant like a couple of years ago. And, you know, just finding out that, oh, it just means that, yeah, they changed it. That doesn't, that's, that's not really a thing to me. So that's why I need somebody to uh, sit down with me and, and, and be like, oh, well, this, this matters. And this is cool because this, and that comes back later. So, and I, I bet some people would hate that. Um, but, you know, I did the same thing with Lord of the Rings. I, I tried to watch, I tried, I tried uh, a couple months ago. I was like, all right, maybe, you know, maybe I'm just pushing the, this, this whole thing where I need to watch it with someone. Maybe I'm just using that as an excuse. And especially, you know, having uh, loved Game of Thrones and knowing how, how closely uh, 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 Tolkien's work um, influenced that. I was like, I, I, I have to like this. But having already seen Game of Thrones, it, it, in my mind, Game of Thrones came first. So it's just like, this is a slightly older discounted version of Game of Thrones. And so again, that's why I need somebody there who's going to be able to put it in context with me. Um, and I, I, I have enough respect for Star Wars not to, to ruin the experience by, by uh, uh, you know, I, I want to be able to pick a day where I have somebody who knows their shit, we're going to sit down and we're going to watch the entire trilogy. And then, you know, throughout there, I want to watch uh, everything in release order, then come back and watch it. In chrono so I want to, I want to, I'm a nerd like that. I want to be able to, to do it right. So don't take my head off, but no, I have not seen any of the Star Wars movies. That's okay. I did no, see I, The Mandalorian. That's it's, it. I didn't see The Mandalorian. <laughs> I haven't gotten around to it yet. It's kind of interesting because um, when I was growing up, my mom read romance novels and they were always like these super cheesy. They had like Fabio on the cover and mm -hmm. I was right. And I was reading like, um, Lord of the Rings. I read Lord of the Rings, the whole thing, starting with The Hobbit and doing the whole trilogy I read in high school. Um, I was a huge Stephen King fan. 
I loved Stephen King. I was actually, re I read it when it first came out. I was like 12 when I read it. And then um, it freaks me out so much that I would shower with my foot on the drain for about 20 years. <laughs> so funny why I didn't come get you. Oh yeah. My husband says to me, why do you always put your foot on the drain when you're in the shower? <laughs> Like, cause this is gonna come out of the drain, and he's like, "Are you kidding me?" And I was so like embarrassed. You never know. I I stopped doing it. I I broke the habit after like twenty years. But anyway, um, I would never read romance because that was like my mom's like cheesy, bleh, you know, old lady books. Um, and then when I was in my early thirties, I was home with my youngest daughter, and she was little she was still napping at that point in time and I had run out of books to read and I was like there's nothing on tv I wanted to watch that was before we had streaming so you couldn't just watch things so I called my neighbor down the street and I was like do you have a book I can read any book <laughs> terrible book and she shows up at my door with this Nora Roberts book and it was about witches and magic and I was like wait a second this is romance this is great. I mean, this is like, they, they have to go on a quest and they have to beat the witch. And it's like, amazing. This is not what I thought romance was at all. And that was my introduction to romance. Um, and it's interesting because I came from such a diverse background where I was into things like Lord of the Rings. I have not actually, I watched the first two seasons of Game of Thrones and then for some reason, I stopped watching it. I can't even remember why, because it was- It's a little slow early on. It's a little I slow think, early on. I think I got, there's so many characters, it's overwhelming. I tried to read it once and I was like, I literally can't do this. There are too many people to remember. <laughs> I put it, it down and then it, they made the um, series and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. And I watched it for a while. And then I think I was watching it as it was coming out and the season ended. And then when the next season started, I was doing something else and I just never went back to it. Yeah. I watched the first five seasons of Walking Dead and stopped that too. But that was because they killed someone that I was like really mad about. And I was like, I'm done. So and I, I would, I want to, I want to pinpoint in on that. Did, uh, so do, should, can we come back or do you want to come back to it? Did you have something else to say or do we? No. <laughs> so I, cause I also uh, was a huge Walking Dead fan until uh, right around season five. But I have a feeling that I know what your uh, point was and, and that it is uh, different than mine. I'm going to guess that it was when, spoiler alert, it was when uh, Negan killed Glenn. That was yep. everybody. That so was it. I was I, so mad. <laughs> so I, this might make you super mad or I, it might, let's see. I loved when they did that. And I had watched that afterwards because I heard the, the uproar. That was already, that was shortly after I'd fallen off. Um, the, the thing that gotten me was if you remember shortly before that, um, when they were still traveling, they were in, they had uh, an RV and they were, uh, they were all split up. And I remember, I don't remember, you know, what the exact task was, but I remember there was, um, Glenn was with that guy, Nick, who when they were standing on top of the, the dumpster and then he shoots himself and then he falls and Glenn's like, no, and he pulls him down with him. And then you see like, you know, this kind of angle 
and the, if you see uh, zombie arms coming and pulling gu gu guts out, obviously they want you to think it's Glenn that's being eaten. And then they cut and they go to uh, Rick, for those of you who don't know, main character, uh, who is by an RV. And there's a bunch of men with uh, uh, automatic weapons coming up and, and uh, surrounding the vehicle. And then the episode just ends. So I'm like, holy crap, this is crazy. Like, what's going to happen next? So then, you know, I, I, and again, this is when, uh, you know, this is a week-to-week a, a -week show. So I'm thinking, all right. First of all, they've already, they've already uh, uh, teased Glenn's death. When they were back at the prison and he fell onto that net thingy, uh, and the, the, uh, uh, the zombie almost got him and Herschel saved him. They already teased and they, they like, that was a legit tease of, of his death. Like you really thought he was going to die in that moment. And then last minute, uh, he gets saved. So I was like, all right, they they did that once already. They're not going to, they're not going to do it again. And then also they're not going to put two characters on a cliffhanger that seemed completely, uh, uh, you know, impossible to get out of and then just give them a, both a magic way to be saved. And then the the next the next week, I don't even think they addressed Glenn in the next episode, which was like, all right, now it's feeding into my uh, uh, my suspicions that they're kind of trying to soften this blow that no, Glenn really is gone. We're giving you time to be uh, uh, okay with it, which clearly that's not what they were interested in doing. Uh, um, and um, so I was like, oh yeah, definitely this is what they're doing. They're gonna come back and, and, and we're gonna find out with the rest of the crew that, that uh, Glenn has died and Glenn got eaten. And then they show that despite having a man on top of him and a horde of zombies pulling out from, he was somehow able to slip under a dumpster and then the zombies just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? This was the show that would kill anybody. This was the show that, you know, I, we had to watch, uh, uh, what's her face, Amy, I think it was, and watching her uh, as uh, she died in her sister's arms and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, uh, going back to, you know, breaking all the rules and killing all these main characters, that was what it was. It was, you knew you were tuning in because you didn't know, you knew that nobody was safe and that, that you know the 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 main characters weren't going to have this plot armor where they're 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 going to be safe and really anybody could die and the 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 story is really just following you know whoever is left and not just this this uh, group that that you you have through the whole story and then when they did that and and Glenn wasn't dead I was like you put me through all of that and he didn't even die what. And uh, so I, I was just like, if, if this isn't that show anymore, then then what are we doing? This isn't this isn't that it's it's not the same thing. And you know they had gotten to a point where they were you know they they knew how to deal with the zombies and it was the initial uh, uh, you know what brought them to the dance that oh no we're in this in this new zombie apocalypse we don't know what to do how do we figure this out that whole thing had kind of been played out and the fact that the, the show is still going. And not only that, but they have Fear the Walking Dead, which should have been awesome and should have been showing everything that happened while uh, uh, Rick was in a coma and, and how it all started. But instead, they just made it the exact same show, just with different characters. And I fell off of that within the first season. I didn't even watch it. I don't know if you did. But I, I you know, when uh, Negan killed Glenn, I was like, okay, finally, they're getting back to this, this, this ruthless, brutal uh, uh, type of storytelling where, again, nobody is safe. And 
because they didn't stick with with stuff like that and they went back to the the whole drama soap opera stuff then it just it just got kind of boring but yeah that was i i was so that's what everybody's moment is and i don't know how anybody got past the second uh teasing of glenn's death it just it just blew my mind and i was so angry i was so upset i was like nope i'm not watching the show anymore and then i watched a couple more episodes and it wasn't that good and i was like no for real i'm done well I got to that part and I was like, that didn't, uh, I don't know. It just really annoyed me that they killed him and I wouldn't watch it anymore. And my husband is still watching it. And he's like, you should come back. You should watch the rest of it. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Too stubborn. Not going to do it. So it's, it's going to me knowing it. Yep. I have a feeling that once it's over and he's rewatching it, he's going to be like, actually, yeah. After kind of like five season five or so, it's not really that good. Because I think I was actually somewhat into season six where I was still watching week to week um, after people were already saying that it had just become a soap opera. And I was like, no, 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 it's good. But it was just because I was, I was already into it. So it was, you know, and I'm not like I wasn't enjoying myself watching it. But um, when I went to rewatch, I, I, I really did want to see, you know, what, was, what happened after I fell off. Because again, at one time, it was my favorite show. And like, uh, uh, there was uh, a time there was a, a short time where the uh, Dexter and um, uh, Dexter and The Walking Dead were on in the same week. And then after Dexter was done, then it was, um, oh, what was it? Uh, Breaking Bad had, had started. And so though, like with all those, Dexter was my favorite show until that ended and, and Walking Dead became my favorite show. And then Breaking Bad became my favorite show. And now uh, Better Call Saul and, and Game of Thrones. And it's all, there's, there's so much cool uh, uh, stuff out there. And it's been my contention that at least for the last, uh, at least the last five to seven years, but definitely I think longer, that TV, you know, certain, not everything, obviously, but certain aspects of TV, certain uh, works in, in uh, cinema and TV absolutely have as much literary value as any of the, the classics. I don't know if you're familiar with, with um, uh, Breaking Bad, but I, I don't know of a story that has better used the medium of TV to tell a story. And it is also an awesome story, but the, that aspect, the way they use the media is, 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 is it just blows my mind. Um, but uh, so, so, sorry for rambling. I, um, uh, so going back to what you were saying about, um, you know, how romance, you know, has a, the, the, the golden rule that they've, they've got to end up together and all that. And um, how, if they don't, then it, it's technically erotica. So now we're, it, it, I realize we're talking specific genres and we're not really just talking uh layman's english and saying that it you know this book is about a romantic thing even though it's it technically it would fall under erotica so that must mean then that as per these genres that there is very very mild erotica that it, it would i would think people would want to have a separate name for that even because if it's um, not about like the 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 sexual aspect and it just has you know it just deviates from the 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 strictness of what a romance novel is is that you know i i think personally if i was writing a book like that and i wanted to throw a little spice into it uh you know not necessarily 50 shades of gray but i i just i, I wanted to have a little bit more to it i don't know if i would, would want my book 
taken out of the romance category and put it into the erotica. You have to be pretty graphic to get put in erotica because just general romance can absolutely have open door sex. Um, the differences in erotica, it's you can have more than one partner. You can't have that in traditional romance. That's just considered not appropriate um, because romance, traditional romance is about two people who find love. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have three people that automatically breaks that rule and then pushes you into erotica. Um, also, if you get into anything like you happen to mention Fifty Shades of Grey, you get into things that are um, more. You can say it. <laughs> you can say it. We're open um, time one. Oh, fetishes. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. Any, if you're really getting into fetishes in your book, then you're in erotica, definitely. But just, you know, romance. You, there are so many subgenres within romance. Um, it's overwhelming if you start looking at it. You can have Christian romance where literally they don't even hold hands all the way through the entire book. They never touch each other. I'm like, that's, I'm not going to read that. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, that sounds a little boring. <laughs> that's, that's just not my cup of tea. Um, but but you can have those very sweet, like Hallmark Channel stories where there isn't anything um, even remotely sexual. It's all about the emotions and about the people getting together um, on, a, on an emotional plane rather than a physical plane. You can have like rom-coms obviously are funny. Um, I don't write funny. <laughs> I tend to write, um, everything that I write has at least something that in my life that I was inspired by. So like, obviously in Sunshine Daydream, it was, I was inspired by, you know, following the Grateful Dead. The book that I published after that is called A Whole New Playlist. Um, and that is contemporary romance. So, um, and it's actually considered new adult because the people that are in it are at the point in their lives where they've left home, but they're not really like situated. They're, they're the first time they're in that genre also would include if you were in college. So it's that age group, like early twenties. When so you said, sorry to interrupt you again. You said it was uh, um, a new playlist is uh, uh, yeah. a whole new playlist is what, uh, what type of, uh, Ro uh, romance you say a specific type it's it's new adult contemporary so contem Contem yeah so what I, I, means I, I, it's modern day so it takes place in 2015 oh, okay. so they have cell gotcha. phones you know, they have the internet they have you know all of that kind of stuff um but then i mean there's like i said before you can have a thriller that's romance you can have a murder mystery. You can have literally anything that's romance. The as long as the overarching theme of the entire book is the relationship between the two people, and then everything else that goes into that is what makes each book unique. Gotcha. So, so is it accurate to say that when you, in in literature, when you're referring to the genre of romance, it is specific to not necessarily are, uh, you know, is there, is it a romantic story in the way that we would normally say it is, it, but it has more specific 
um, uh, not necessarily, uh, I mean, yeah, boxes to check of it, 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 it hits these notes. Um, as, again, as opposed to just saying, you know, well, this is a, a uh, uh, like, let's just say it's a, it's a general story about love and, and uh, you know, it's a, a woman protagonist and she is, um, you know, in a relationship for most of the story, but she, you know, maybe has an affair or something and it's not anything graphic, but it's, you know, just part of her story that would be more under uh, uh, the uh, contemporary new adult thing because it's more about her and not so much about the relationship itself, even if that no. does play a big part. Is, is that- If it's about, if it's mainly about the woman, first of all, romance doesn't have to be just a, a man and a woman. There is male-male romance and there is female-female romance. Um, and those still fall under the general genre of romance. But um, if you were, if your book focuses mainly on the woman, then that becomes, I don't really like this word, but I'm going to use it anyway. It's chick lit. Um, or it could be, um, oh my gosh, I can't even think of what it is. Because I'm stuck on chick lit. <laughs> chick lit, like chick literature? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm because what I'm what I'm really trying to get at is I if I was I, I wanted to write a, a romance story and I didn't necessarily want to have a happily ever after. And I didn't necessarily want there to be uh, zero, uh, you know, deviations from that that uh, particular relationship. It sounds like what you're saying is those uh, including those in the story while it is perfectly fine, kind of disqualifies it from the particular genre of romance. And, and I, I'm, you know, just playing devil's advocate that, you know, if I were to, to write that, I feel like I would be able to, uh, you know, be a lot more successful being under the romance category. And just because, you know, it's not, it's not anything graphic. It's not about anything else. It's not about uh, one, one person's journey as they, they leave home or as coming of age or anything like it. It's a romance story. It just happens to have X, Y, and Z. What? The, you, you can absolutely write that. Um, and people will definitely read it, but you can't label it as romance because when people go to buy or to read a romance novel, they have certain expectations of what they're going to get. So if you deviate from those expectations, it doesn't really matter how awesome the book is. You didn't meet your reader's expectations. So they're going to be disappointed. It would kind of be yeah. like, who thought you were going, oh, this is perfect. Remember the movie Signs? Mm -hmm. That movie made me so mad because I thought that movie was going to be about like super um, like extrasensory powers, you know, yeah. and it wasn't, it was about aliens. So I went into that movie with a mistaken idea of what I was going to watch. And when I found out what it was really about, I was like, I wouldn't watch this if I knew it was about aliens, which probably isn't true. I probably would have watched it if I knew it was about aliens, but I would have gone into it knowing that it was about aliens. It's the same kind of thing. You don't want to walk into, um, you don't want to walk into a movie thinking you're going to see spaceships and actually you're seeing pirate ships just right. because, you know, that's not what you were thinking you were going to see. This is the same thing with romance. People just have an expectation of what it is because they know what romance is. 
And it's that same comfort factor where they know when they get to the end that the two people are going to be together and they want that. So they want to see the, the journey that these two people take. And like in, I think in all romance, I really focus on this, but I think in all romance, writers try to bring in things from the real world that women, I mean, being honest, romance is marketed to women. Women deal with a lot of things in their lives. And it's, it's really um, helpful to see that other people deal with the same things that we do, that we're not the only person, you know, who deals with, you know, issues with your mom or, you know, trouble at work. And so it's a very accessible way to feel like you're not alone in the world. Um, and that, you know, these people overcame these problems. And if they can overcome these problems, then I can overcome these problems too. So that's really the, the thing with romance is that you can explore all those different things, but you know it's going to turn out okay. You mm. know you're going to be a puddle of tears at the end because the main character um, got dropped off a bridge. <laughs> so I guess maybe the way I'm thinking of it is. Uh, again, not in that, you know, in terms of the, the expectation of the, the, the plot points and, and more the expectation of the, 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 the overall experience um, that, that if you were to write this, this story that I'm talking about, that is a romantic story, so to speak, um, that wouldn't fall under romance because the overall experience you get from reading the book would be different than you know, more like, uh, uh, you know, instead of, you know, comparing it, going into watching how, how I met your mother, expecting that happy ending. And it wasn't quite that, but it's okay because that's, you know, you were there for the situational comedy and the romance was, was, even though it was again, a very romantic love-based story, you were, that's not necessarily what you were there for. And so it would be more like if you were going to sit down to watch uh, a sitcom and it was like horror. And it was just like, well, it doesn't matter how good the, the you know, that this is, this is not what I'm in the mood for. So I, right. I think it's starting so, to, to make a little more sense. So if you were to write that book where they don't end up together, you would just label it differently. You would, instead of romance, you would call it, um, you, I don't know, um, mainstream fiction with romance elements. Because mm -hmm. if there's a very strong love story, in the story, you can put in there that there are romance elements. You just can't actually market it as romance because like I said, I mean, your readers are coming in expecting a certain thing. And if you don't give it to them, then they're going to just be disappointed because that's not what they were looking for. And then I, and then I guess equally as importantly, you, you, you probably won't find the, or the right audience won't find the book because it's going to be uh, mislabeled as, as something right. else that, um, you know, again, in, in just layman's terms, even though it is a romantic story, it is not something that falls under the category in literature of the genre of romance. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so before, uh, before we wrap up, I just, I always like to ask a little bit about, um, your, uh, writing and publishing process, just because eventually I do, uh, want to write a book and, um, you know, I'm, uh, more interested in, um, writing nonfiction and just kind of something about, you know, what I think about stuff 
it's that's that's all I've got right now. Um, but as I as I whittle that down into a more uh, concise idea, I always love to just hear um, you know uh, authors' experience of what it was like to actually uh, you know from first having this idea to putting it down on paper to to getting it to 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 publishing and and um, anything throughout that that journey and that experience that was that was uh, important to you. Um. Well, the most important thing to me in everything that I write is that I want to share life experiences with people to make them, like I said before, feel like, you know, I'm not alone in this. Other people experience this too. Or um, I also, I, I always place my characters in unique set settings. So like Sunshine Daydream, they are in the world of the Grateful Dead. In a whole new playlist, it's about a girl who's a car photographer. So everything revolves around the world of classic cars. Um, and the guy is a musician. So there's, there's music in that book as well. It's different than Sunshine Daydream though, because it's contemporary. Um, but none of those are like really mainstream, like America, like mom driving the minivan kinds of settings. Um, the one that I'm working on right now, which is not published yet, um, has to do with video games. So just, I like to try to find something that's a little bit different than, you know, the average um, romance novel. Um, and then I always want to have something in there that people can learn from, either learn about something that they haven't experienced themselves so that maybe they have a better understanding of other people who might be going through something um, or you know that if they have experienced something like this then there are other people out there because when as a middle-aged person I've been through a lot of things in my life and a lot of times you feel really really alone like I am the only person who understands what this feels like and that feels terrible and I really want my books to make people feel like, you know what, I'm not the only person who goes through this. Maybe I'm not alone as I thought I was, and I will be okay. And that's really important to me is that everybody's going to be okay. So when I start writing a book, I come up with, you know, what do I want this central issue to be? Um, so for Bailey, it was, she has a very hard time letting people into her life because, or letting new people into her life because of her backstory. So that's a real thing in real life. People have a hard time letting people in. So how does she deal with that? So then I come up with a story that, um, how can I take this idea of this problem that people have and make it into an enjoyable, accessible story that people would wanna read? Um, and that's basically how I come up with my ideas for my books in general. Um, and then from there, my process, <laughs> has changed pretty drastically over the years. Um, I so just, so just right. real quick on the, I, I definitely want to commend you because the, you know, that sentiment of wanting to, you know, have uh, uh, to, to give an outlet for people who do feel alone. That's such an important thing. And I, and you know, I, I it's not uncommon. A lot of people do want to, to give that to people. Um, but there's, there's not really, it's it, it's not as as easy to do as as people make it seem. 
and and you know having something like a story where you pour so much of yourself into it is is something uh, that I really think um, you know whether it's just you know you're you're it's telling a, 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 your your story on camera or you're telling your story through a a novel or uh, you're just writing a a um, you know an autobiography or whatever it is but sharing those elements of your yourself um, as you alluded to that that are uh, uh, that can seem very uh, you know like they're only you and that you're the only one dealing with it uh, and 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 making it as um, you know generalizable so like oh this is something that 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 people deal with and and if other people deal with it then then you know maybe it's 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 something that's just gonna be part of life and I'll be okay um, and and that is not always um, that's not always easy to do but it definitely seems like uh, you having um, this, the you know this, especially coming from the 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 type of uh, the, the the type of music scene that you have, that this that that uh, you know what we were talking about before about the, what the music means and why people go there. I think that having those type of experiences, whether it's specifically uh, with the dead, or whether it's specifically with music, or whether whether it's with something else, whether you learn how to do that and how to live that way, it becomes something that becomes contagious. And so, for you to 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 write something with that intention as 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 who you are, I think it really will uh, you know be able to to put out the message that that you're you're trying to convey. Because if it's any uh, you know. If, if me understanding what romance uh, is in literature versus just talking about romance, if that's and me understanding that is any clue into uh, you understanding whatever it is that makes you feel uh, alone, then this book will definitely, uh, this book and a whole new playlist will, de will definitely help you out. Um, so the, the um, I guess it's, you know, the, the aspects of, of, love and and navigating love that that uh that you're are that you're pinpointing in in specifically uh sunshine dream that that uh you're trying to show to everybody what what it looks like and 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 and, and stuff like that am i going down the right track yeah well it's <laughs> it's um you know two people who have their own issues and and figure out how to work through those issues so that they can be together. Hmm. Which I think, you know, everyone does that. When you meet someone that you have interest in, you're two different people, you're coming from two different places and you have to figure out how to, to go from being two people to being a couple. And that's really what romance does is it shows you how these two people navigated that road. Very cool, very cool. So if you're going to write your own book, the biggest, biggest piece of advice I have for you is get lots and lots of people to read it and give you feedback and always, always take into consideration what they say, even if you disagree with it. Because if someone has an opinion on something that you wrote, it's worth considering if they're right. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely think so. And um, so did you go through, um, did you go through a, uh, a publishing house or did you uh, publish this, these independently? 
What was that? I'm, in, uh, I'm an independent publisher. And that what what made you decide to do that versus trying to to go through a, a I don't know publishing a traditional yeah yeah um, the biggest thing was that I really wanted to do things my way. And I have a friend who is traditionally published and listening to her talk, there were a lot of things that she had to change in her books because her agent or her publisher said, I don't like this, change it. And I didn't want to do that. I'm a very independent person and I wanted my books done my way. So I never even really attempted to, to go the traditional publishing route. Um, and it helps that um, I have been self-employed for pretty much my entire adult life. So I'm very used to having to do all of the work for something myself. Um, you know, I have to do all the advertising. I have to, you know, make sure that, that all my I's are dotted and T's are crossed in, you know, what I've done for my entire adult life. So it was very natural for me to just continue on with doing things myself mm -hmm. when I to start publishing books. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm sure it's a lot more work. But if it's, you know, um, and even in like editing these videos and taking the 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 raw call and just putting, you know, the little little stuff on it that makes it this this pretty little video that it is now. Um, you know, at, at the first one, it took me like a long time to figure out how to do like these basic little things. But now, you know, I've gotten into a groove and and uh, you know, I'm just able to 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 have that skill. So I. It seems like the, you know, before that I was going through other people and trying to get this and, you know, ah, oh, that design's good, but can you try this? And it's like being able to just do it yourself is, is like, all right, it's going to take longer, but I, I know what I'm, I know what my vision is and I know. And so how do you, you know, balance that with what you just said about, uh, about feedback, I guess it would be just having a lot of, a lot more people read it, but how do you know, um, you know, if, if, I guess, I guess it's that, you know, if somebody gives you, and again, I'm, I'm throwing things out there that I have no idea what I'm talking about. So tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, is it that, you know, if you're doing it independently and somebody who you, somebody whose opinion you, you hold uh, in high regard gives you some feedback, feedback that you don't like, you can take that into consideration and you don't, you know, you can, you can, understand that you hold their opinion in high regard and still not necessarily agree that it, it should lead to the same change that they want versus an agent or a publisher. It's not that same kind of relationship. Is that more yeah. or less? Yeah. So if you have an age, if you go the traditional route, then you have an agent and then they market your books to the publisher um, and the publisher has the final say. They also, though, do a lot of things for you, like they design your cover for you. They do all your proofreading for you. They make sure that everything's typeset. All of those things, if you publish yourself, you have to do on your own. You have to figure out who you, you can hire people to do it or you can learn how to do it yourself. Um, I actually come from a photography background, so it was actually it's a lot of fun for me to I design my own covers because that's just my background. I already had that knowledge before I came into this. Um, but one of the other things that publishers do is they do critique your work if they want something changed. If you are self-published, you have to figure all that out yourself. So what most people do is they find a group of people. Um, it takes time, you know, and you assemble a group of people who help you through every book. And usually it's reciprocal. 
Um, I am part of a writer's group and we have been together. The core group has been together for like, I've been with them since 2015. So that's six years. Mm -hmm. They've been around for like 15 years. Um, and they're great, great, great group of people. And each person in that group has their own unique way of looking at things. And because I've been with that group for a long time, um, I know sort of what to expect from each person because I know them. So if someone says to me, well, you know, this scene right here doesn't really seem realistic. I know that's because they're from this particular background and they've never experienced this thing. And I know that this scene actually is realistic because I put the research into finding out how this, like I just had, um, I just wrote a scene where there's a interview with the police. So not everyone has ever been interviewed by the police. So I- Lucky them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who is a, is, is a retired police officer. So I had him read that scene and I said, does this work? Is this how it would actually go? And he was like, yes, this is. So when my writers group read that scene and they were like, well, this doesn't really make sense. I was like, well, I understand that you don't think it makes sense. But this is actually accurate. But then the next step after that is, why did they say it doesn't make sense? What is it that they're seeing here that they're not believing? And now I have to make it so that it is believable to everyone. So that's really one of the biggest things when you're writing a novel is you can make a book say anything you want, but you have to make your readers believe it. Mm. So if and if they're when you're getting critiques, if people aren't believing what you're writing, even if it's a God's honest truth, even if it actually happened to you, if they're telling you that it's not believable, there's a reason why they're saying that. And you have to figure out as a writer what that reason is. And then you have to fix it and make it believable. Hmm. And so, um, so it's not necessarily just about, uh, you know, it's not a history book. It's it's not about, OK, well, this is a, this is this is how it was. So deal with it. That's not right. what you're trying to create. And so, uh, you know, I guess th that's where the, the, uh, the whole thing of artistic license comes from is that it, especially to, for something that is not so unique, but it's definitely, you either know what it's like to, to, to be talking to the police or you don't. And, uh, you know, you're either gonna write that in such a way where you, you, you only capture the people of your audience who know that, who are, are there, and they'll be able to say that, 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 that that's accurate. Or you can bring everybody along and maybe the people who know that, eh, well, that's not, that's probably not that super realistic, but I get what they're going for. And that, that, is a, that seems to be, seems that it would be a much uh, smoother way uh, to go about it. Because again, it's, it's not about whether you're right. It's not about whether this is accurate. It's, it's the story that, that should come first, right? Yep. And that's called, you can get, it's called suspending belief. When you can mm -hmm. get readers to believe something, whether or not it's actually true. They're so into the story. They don't care if it's actually accurate, if it's actually the way that it really would be in the real world. Um, and that's what really good writers do is they get their readers to suspend belief and just Everything that they write in their books, the readers go right along with. Go right along for the ride, right? Yep. And as Very soon cool. as someone says, one of your critique partners says, whoa, 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 that's not, that didn't really happen that way. You know, you've now done something that made them unsuspend their belief. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So you don't want that. You need to take a look at it and say, okay, what do I need to do to fix this? So I guess it, would you say that you 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 need a little bit more, uh, uh, maybe a higher level of of self awareness to be able to discern this the, uh, this feedback um, and 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 know what to do with it versus somebody who's going through traditional publishing and might have a fresh set of eyes who who isn't as attached to the story and you know really just has the bottom line: how many books can we sell? Uh, you don't necessarily need to be as in tune with the perception of the reader, maybe? is um, Well, I think you just have, you can, you can make the decision that, no, this is how I want it and I'm not going to change it. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking like little things like, you know, instead of saying orange, you say Auburn. I'm talking like big picture things. If they don't like the way your book ends, they'll tell you to rewrite it. Well, I didn't want to rewrite because <laughs> I like my endings. So, you know, it comes in more, you know, things along those lines that are big picture things. Um, as far as like ignoring what your critique people say, actually in Sunshine Daydream, this is, this really happened. Um, when I first started sharing that with my writers group, the people in the book say, hey, now, and that's, so this girl was like, that, that's a, like a, a silly thing to say. Nobody says, hey, now. And I'm like, well, actually in the 90s, that was how hippies greeted each other. It was, we'd be like, hey, now. So it's in there because it's, it's accurate. So I just ignored her <laughs> because I know that that thing is realistic. And for what I was writing, it made sense. So, you know, I just said, you don't, you're not from this subculture. You don't know the lingo. This is really accurate. And the funny thing is then when I got back into the whole jam band scene, people are still saying, hey, now. <laughs> oh, it hey was now. really, really, really true. Yeah. So I guess, I, I, so yeah, it definitely seems like you, you, cause somebody else might, you know, listen to, like you said, take, you know, you got to take all this feedback and then somebody says, oh, you know, uh, I, don't, I didn't like the, Hey now. And then they might change it because of the feedback, uh, thinking that they, you know, without a publisher and, and, uh, an agent that they've got to make every change to make everybody happy, but you're never going to make everybody happy. And you've got to be able to, I think that's, that's maybe what I was alluding to that if you're going to, uh, self-published, you maybe need to have a little bit stronger of a, a an idea of what your finished product is going to be so that when, if people don't get it, then you realize it's not that you need to fix the story to them, but perhaps they're just not for your story. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah. And, and, and that can, that, that's, that's gotta be tough too. Cause, uh, cause you know, the, the, the idea of, you know, even like I, I had a podcast before and then with, with this podcast and, you know, it's like, I think I'm interesting. I think we're having a great conversation, but trying to get somebody to, to, to sit down and listen or watch it. It's like, well, don't you like me or don't you want it? But it's just, it's not, not everybody wants to do that, regardless of who it is. And yeah. um, you just got to play, uh, play it to your audience. Yep. Actually, it's, um, I had, I had your audience star reviews on Amazon, which is like an amazing thing, right? And then I have a three-star review and it really bugs me. And I'm like, why did somebody give me a three-star review? This is terrible. 
I haven't gotten anything lower. I've gotten one three-star review. Everything else was five stars, which is really weird too. I actually kind of wish somebody would just give me a one star so I could like move on with hey, my- careful what you <laughs> careful what you the, wish for. The, I know. The three-star review bugged me so much. And the per- same person did it on Goodreads too. So I was able to go in and see who it was that gave me a three-star review. And it was a guy, which romance novels are generally not marketed to guys. And everything else that he had on his list was like expose, kind of like behind the scenes, rock and roll sort of stuff. Mm. You know, like, like um, the Rolling Stones talking about how much drugs they actually did. <laughs> so he mm. book thinking that it was going to be something like that. And it's not. It's a romance novel that happens to be set in the 90s with people who follow the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. It's expose. It's it's not centered on the drug culture, you know, and that does come into play in this book, but it's not the main theme. So he just it wasn't to his expectation. Yeah, that that yeah, definitely. And I and I can see how, you know, you you know, uh, uh, there was uh, a couple of times that something you know, that's, again, why I like having this, this reading the back of the book segment, because I want to, I want to uh, uh, share what, it, what I get from, you know, judging the book by its cover and reading the back of the book before we get into the conversation to see how close or far I am. And oftentimes I'm not very uh, close at all, which is, you know, I mean, good for me because then it means that this this podcast is probably a little bit more uh uh uh, relevant than than i originally thought i hope um but it's all it also you know is a little bit um on the uh you know for for you authors it's like well this the you know this little blurb it's so hard to to convey everything that you want to convey and you know it's just an endless list of uh, uh you know you know, romance novel. There's an endless list of romance novels, and for Grateful Dead to be the 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 only thing that popped out to somebody in and have them read the whole book, and it's you know, I mean, I guess it's fair enough that if he was expecting something and he and and he stuck with the book and he read it and he didn't like it and that's that's his review, but it would be I, I'm sure all you know I'm sure both of you would have preferred if he could have seen this conversation first and then. He could have saved his money and his time, and you could have uh, uh, saved your your uh, your uh, reviews. And um, and uh, so, is, is there something that you think can be changed about the way that we we do this elevator back of the book pitch that that maybe bridges that gap? You know, the back of the book blurb is the hardest part of this whole thing like not even joking i I believe it wrote an entire novel cover to cover between april and august of this year from scratch um i do not have a back of the book blurb because i can't figure one out yet it's really really hard um for exactly the reason that you said because you it you have to fit an entire novel into this tiny little you know three paragraphs and there's not really a way to do that that does justice to any book so you just kind of as an author you try to find something that you think will entice readers to open that book so the great thing is like I mean in the old days we used to have to go to the bookstore 
and we would read the back of the book. And then if we thought it looked good, we would open Look it and read it. Right. Pages, you know? So my goal is to get people to read the blurb and say, yeah, okay, I'm going to click on the, the sample that's included on in Amazon. And then they can read the first couple of chapters. And if they like what they see in the first couple of chapters, then hopefully they'll buy it. And if they don't like it, you know, not every book is for every person. That's why there's right. some out there. And I'm fine with that. I mean, I read a ton of stuff. I read sci-fi. I read epic fantasy. I do read murder mysteries and thrillers. I love Stephen King. So I'm, I actually went through a, a period of time when I read Westerns. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty open to what I read, but not everyone is. So you do definitely want to make sure that, you know, your readers are finding the books that are suited to their tastes because not everybody wants to read a slasher story. Not everybody wants to watch that on TV. <laughs> right, right. Definitely. And actually what I watch on TV isn't what I would read because I mostly watch crime detective shows. I like, I like uh, Criminal Minds a whole lot. Criminal Minds and like SBU and stuff like that. Yeah, we have a life-size Spencer Reed cut out in our house. <laughs> nice, very nice. <laughs> Cool. Um, so we've been going for a little over an hour now, and I was a little bit late. Sorry about that. Um, so, I mean, I would definitely love to have you back to talk about a, a whole new playlist. Um, but uh, yeah, I thank you so much for coming on. I'm definitely glad that we were able to uh, to dive a little bit more into, you know, what uh, what is uh, Sunshine Daydream um, and not just, you know, the Grateful Dead and drugs and um Hopefully the the uh, the next person who would have given you a three star review will happen upon this conversation and uh, realize that it's not for them. Or the next person who wouldn't have read it will happen upon the conversation like, oh, I wouldn't have read that. And, and now uh, let's pick it up. Um, thank you so much again for coming on. I um, this was a, a, a really cool conversation. Um, and uh, I just want to give the floor to you if there's any, uh, you know, social media that you want to plug websites, blogs, anything like that. The floor is yours. Um, so I am Bethany J. Miller. And we're talking today about Sunshine Daydream. And it is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, pretty much. Oh, iBooks, any any major retailer. Um, my website is bethanyjmiller.com. Um, and if you like my book, I hope you give me a five star review. Definitely, and we'll have all of that stuff linked below. You can find everything that you need to find uh, in the link uh, below. Bethany, thank you so much for coming. Uh, and I hope uh, everybody who reads uh, Sunshine Daydream gets to feel a little bit of that warm fuzziness and, uh, and um, I'm, I'm sure they will. Uh, if there is anything else you have, I, um, I, uh, I've had a great time and I can't wait to have you back. Thank you, it was a pleasure. Thank you for All right, well, you take care. All right. So, uh, Sunshine Daydreams by Bethany J. Miller. Again, not what I expected. Something that we're finding is, uh, is common that uh, reading the back of the book doesn't really give you a good insight into what you're about to read. Um, you know, uh, the, biggest, the biggest example obviously would, would have been with uh, Dominique Harvey and, and uh, Love, Peace and Gravity when 
I thought it was a fiction book. And she was talking about how her actual fiance died earlier this year. Um, so that was definitely a, a little bit blindsided. I'm glad she was, um, you know, that, that could have gone very badly, uh, you know, if, if she was not as nice of a person as she was. Um, but yeah, I, that's something that is becoming a very common thing that what we read on the back of the book, as, as Bethany said, is, is the hardest thing for them, for the authors, and it doesn't really provide much for us as, as readers. Um, so I guess that means I'm a little bit more important than I thought. And uh, hopefully what we're doing here really is giving, giving a better look into what these, these works are. And you know, just sitting here for an hour, an hour and a half, um, you know, can either save you the time if, if uh, like this guy who was expecting a drug-fueled uh, 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 escapades about what the Grateful Dead did and, and clearly didn't find it, um, whether you're that guy and uh, you, you picked up the book and, and probably shouldn't have, or if you're somebody who, who you know, maybe you were into this, uh, or, or maybe you were too young to be in this uh, uh, the, the scene when the, you know, before Jerry died in the, the, the Grateful Dead, and then you kind of just went on with life, but you were always interested in that space and you had a similar type of, of, of experience uh, uh, in other ways to this book and you wouldn't have otherwise picked it up. But now after hearing Bethany, you're like, oh, uh, maybe I do want to, to, to check that out. That's really what I'm hoping to do here. Um, and uh, so, I, I mean, I don't have too much else to say because I think that was a really uh, good, um, you know, just reading of what, uh, not reading, but, you know, just, just a, a general of what to expect in that book. Obviously, again, I have not read it. Um, but I, I feel like I know what to expect. And now knowing that the romance genre of literature is a very specific thing, which makes sense because there's, you know, it, it makes perfect sense because you think about um, someone like me and hating when people would call something emo when, when that's not really a genre or, uh, you know, emo, screamo, and, or they would call, uh, you know, um, the, the, the joke uh, in, in some of the, the, uh, the, 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 the more deep, deep down scenes is the difference between brutal, te brutal technical death metal and technical brutal death metal. And it matters to some people. And I just didn't realize that there was that same, uh, that same sentiment in, in literature that, that, you know, uh, romance means something very specific and um, that it's not about the fact that it is a romantic story. That doesn't mean anything as to whether it falls under, uh, under this specific genre. Um, so very interesting, very, very interesting. I, uh, I, that is definitely something I will take into future, future conversations. The, the, the question at least about genre and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, I definitely, that was, I didn't even know that that was really a thing. I knew, I knew that there was, you know, there's romance and there's young and and there's, uh, but I didn't really put two and two together that they were that, uh, uh, you know, navigational that you could the same way you can find, um, you know, I like, uh, minimal dark techno versus uh, uh, more beat up melodic techno. Those are two very, very different sounds if you know what you're listening for. But to somebody who doesn't really listen to techno, it's just that it's all it's gonna sound like. Um, and 
yeah, I guess I, I, I do want to chew on this more. I don't necessarily have too much to say right at this moment, because again, I think that a lot of what needs to be said about the, the book and about Bethany, I think we did a good job of, of getting to it in the conversation. Um, but I definitely am going to uh, be sitting here for a minute and just just thinking and I implore you to do the same. There's, there, there was a lot said and uh, there was a lot of value in what, in what she said. So I'm gonna take off. I'm just gonna think for a little bit. Peace. Oh yeah, don't forget, like, subscribe, comment, uh, ring the bell, follow me on Instagram and uh, Twitter at idrybluch, that's I-D-R-Y-B-L-U-T-C-H. Uh, I'm on Discord. There's a link there. I don't really know how to use it that much. Um, if you want to support me there, I'm going to start putting in uh, my uh, PayPal and uh, Venmo and Bitcoin address. I don't know. I don't expect anything. I'm just putting it there just in case anybody feels like they, they want to help. I'm not turning away uh, free money, but I am doing this for free. So help me out. Um, I'm going to go think. See you later.